two words God's given us. Say it out loud with me, everybody together. Hope and healing. Hope for your tomorrow, healing from your yesterday. We believe that that's all found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And literally, I want those two words to ring even louder during this Christmas season. Anybody excited this Christmas season? Love Christmas, love Thanksgiving. I love all that that represents. And uh, we normally do a financial series during this season. And typically what we do is we do this financial series to help you. There's so many people that are struggling financially. It's one of the greatest needs on the planet Earth. Uh, aside from the spiritual needs, it's a great need. And so we want to help people as much as we can know how to get out of debt, how to budget, how to strategize and plan for the future. And we normally will do this around this season because during this season, a lot of people lose their minds. And they go shopping and they spend money that they don't have trying to impress people they don't even like for gifts that are going to be thrown away by March, but you're going to be paying for it to the year 2020. Does this sound familiar? So I want to help you a little bit because God has a way and it's a whole lot better. A lot of times we start looking at what we're doing, how we're living our life, and we get very frustrated because we, we understand and come to grips finally that our way is not working. And so what we do is we look at some financial principles from the Bible and um, I believe that this is a, a great season for us to ramp up our generosity. You're, you're generous all year long, but during the season of November and December, we ramp up our generosity because we, we believe that this is the greatest season to be a blessing to people here in the Bay Area and around the globe because people are open to that. Here's the problem. The problem is, have you ever been here where your money is funny and your credit won't get it? And it's not fun at all. Here's the big problem is that 90% of Americans do not have a budget. They have no budget. So it's like, where's the money going? I don't know. Nobody knows where it's going. I mean, MasterCard's taking some and Chase is taking some. And the average American has 16 credit cards now and they're charging their way through life only to, to, to pile debt higher and higher. And they're, they're not able to do what they want to do or enjoy what God has called them to. So we begin to struggle with that. And a lot of people don't plan, and they, they lose money on frivolous things. It's like the couple who got married, and um, the husband had a million dollars. He inherited that by his grandpa. I mean, it was amazing, a million dollars. One day, he and his wife were sitting on the porch, rocking in their rocking chairs, overlooking the sunset, and he looks over at his wife and says, do you love me? She says, yeah, yes, babe, you know I love you. He says, well, would you, would you still love me if, if I lost the million dollars gambling. She said, uh, yeah, I'd still love you. I'd still love you. I'd miss you too, but I'd still love you. Because <laughs> she'd be gone. You know what I'm saying? Like that. Money issues is probably one of the top reasons people get divorced. I mean, all joking aside, it is a real deal. It is a very big issue that a lot of people struggle with. And they're not sure what works. We're, we're looking at our way, and we're like, man, my way's not working. Does anybody have any help? Well, God has a way, and His way works. Say that with me. God's way works. Come on. God's way works. It just, one more time all together. God's way works. And Haggai is our theme verse. Haggai chapter 1. Go there with me in your notes and your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you. And take some notes today. I believe that God wants to speak to us about intentional generosity. Intentional generosity. Haggai chapter 1 verse 5 says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Okay, God's talking, and he says, give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought, like think about it. Here has been the problem at large, and that is that we have some bad thinking. 
when it comes to finances, when it comes to money. We have not had the best thinking. We have not had the best modeling. And so there's a struggle here. And God is trying to get our attention. He says, give careful thought to your ways. You've planted a lot, but you've harvested very little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. Watch this. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. How many think that sounds familiar? You're, you're earning money, and at the end of the month, you're like, where did all of our money go? You're, if you're married, you're looking at your spouse like, did you spend it? And she's like, no, did you spend it? And nobody knows where the money goes. There's way too much month at the end of your money. And it's not fun at all because now you're struggling and there's like the few days at the end of the month where you're trying to figure out what you're going to do. You're eating top of ramen and not, not, not spending any money. It's like a budget freeze because there ain't no money in the account. Well, God says give careful thought to your ways. In other words, there's a way that is working and if we realize and recognize our ways not working, we ought to think about this a little bit. Don't just keep going down the same path and expecting a different result. That's the definition of insanity. We're working hard, but we're not seeing the return. Well, can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that a lot of us in the room knows what that feels like. And for some of you, if you were honest with yourself, you'd, you'd have to say, Sean, that's, that describes me to a T. That I feel empty on the inside. But God comes along and reiterates, give careful thought to your ways. And so for the first week of this series, we talked about some healthy financial principles. We put God's principles on top of those. Like if you're struggling, if you, if you need a financial plan, here's what it would look like. And then the second week, we talked about what it would look like if you ever hit a dark day. Because how many know we've all hit a dark season? Financially and even other areas of our life. And people are not sure what to do. Well, that message was to help you get out no matter what it was. Whether it was money or another area of your life where we've just blown it. Here's how you get out. Here's hope for that. And today's going to be a lot of fun because today... I get to talk to you about some of the initiatives that we're going to do for the next couple of months. We have an amazing season called Christmas. It is the most wonderful time of the year. And we get a chance to bless more people than normal during this season. And I want to talk to you a little bit about intentional generosity and then share with you some of the opportunities that we have as a church. All right, so 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. We'll dive into this, but the first part, Paul is writing to a pastor and he says, hey, tell your church folks, tell, tell the people in your church this. Command those who are rich in this present world. Command them who are rich. Everybody say rich. rich. Come on, say rich. rich. Well, when I said that, a lot of you immediately started to think, I can check out because he's not talking about me. I'm not rich, and so I, I can check out. I don't really need this message. Before you do that, can I just, can I just redefine what rich means, all right? Because if, if you live in America... This applies to most Americans. Most people in America are rich considering the world's standards. You are blessed. You are very blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. Put the Bible. Okay, all the Disney fans. Yeah, you got that. By the way, I went to Club 33, Disney fans. Yeah, y'all don't know what that is. It's a secret club in Disneyland. Got hooked up. Anyway, favor of the Lord, whatever. <laughs> Where was I? So we're so blessed, but we're not just blessed for us, ladies and gentlemen. And you have to understand this. When I say you're rich, some of you are like, man, I don't feel very rich. 
Okay, studies show that if you make a combined income of $45,000, a combined income, household income, you are in the top 1% of the wage earners in the world. I know it doesn't feel like you're very rich in the Bay Area, but comparing yourself to the world, you are rich compared to those standards. We are blessed. And not just blessed, you're rich compared to these standards. So recognizing what you already have is a huge benefit to all of us. A lot of people are comparing themselves to other people, trying to keep up with the Joneses. We don't even know who the Joneses are, but we're trying to keep up with them. And we're, we're always trying to compare ourselves. Can I just tell you, contentment with, is, is great gain for a lot of us to understand we are, we are blessed where we are. Like, we don't have to have more. God wants to bless us with more, but we're, we're blessed now. When, you're, when you realize you're blessed, here's what you'll do. You'll complain a whole lot less. You won't complain as much. You won't covet as much because you realize, Lord, you, you have blessed me. You have blessed me. You are rich. Everybody say, I'm rich. Some of you didn't say that in faith. Come on, say it again. I'm rich. Here, let me prove it to you. Here's rich people problems. Rich people problems is this. You stood in front of the closet full of clothes, and you said, I have nothing to wear. That's rich people problems. Here's, here's, here's another rich people problem, is that you're complaining that your satellite television person repairman is late. That's a rich people problem. Here's another one. You're complaining because your iPhone won't sync to the Wi-Fi. That's a rich person's problem. Come on, say it again. I am rich. I am blessed. God, he has blessed us with so much. And if we compare ourselves, which I just said, don't compare yourself. But if you were to look at the world's standards, man, we are so overwhelmingly blessed. We have a lot of stuff. And Paul writes to Timothy and says, hey, you need to talk to your church about being rich. You need to talk to them about how to do this properly. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, is there anybody that's grateful for the generous grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Come on, let's clap our hands and thank God for His amazing grace, His unmerited favor. He gave us grace and mercy and eternal life when we didn't deserve it. He says, you know about the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, watch this, yet for your sake he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. And he's not just talking about money here. He's talking about rich in your spirit, rich in your soul. He wants you to have eternal life, rich towards the things of God. That's, the, that's what the context. But having said that, the very next chapter explains a little bit further. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 says, you will be made rich in every area, your marriage, your, your, your emotions. He wants to make you rich in every way. Why? So that. Somebody shout, so that. So that you can be generous on every occasion. So that you can be generous on every occasion. Now listen to me. Anytime you talk about money, people go a little sideways. There was a thing called the prosperity gospel that hit the scene a few years back and took a lot of people off track. It was whack. It was not good. And here's the message of that. It was that God wants you wealthy so that you can be wealthy. And a lot of people bought into that. I don't believe that's true. I don't believe that, that type of message. But having said that, can I also add this? I do believe that God wants us to have more than we need. 
Write this down in your notes. God blesses us with more than we need so we can be a blessing. God blesses me with more than we need so that I can be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. Can you say this phrase with me? I'm blessed to be a blessing. Come on. I'm blessed to be a blessing. If you believe it, say it one more time, nice and loud. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Anything God blesses you with, it's not just for you. How selfish of us to think that God just, I'm the only one he cares about. Any blessing he gives us, if he forgives you, it's so that forgiveness can flow through you. If, if, he, if he gives you great grace, it's so that grace can flow through you. If, if he's kind to you, it's so that kindness can throw, flow through you. If he blesses you with more than you need, it's so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. I pray this over my family and over our church every day. Lord, give me more than we need so I can make the biggest impact on planet Earth possible. I want that. How many want just your needs to be met? Just your needs. How many would like more than you need so that you could be a proper blessing, right? Yeah, so when we put it in that context, you begin to understand, oh, so that's why God wants to bless us. Don't get this twisted and start tweeting whack things about me and this church about, oh, they were preaching prosperity gospel. I'm not, or I'm not. But I do strongly believe that God wants us to have influence. He wants us to be blessed more than we need so that we can be a blessing to a planet that desperately needs to hear about the love of Jesus Christ. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? <laughs> the problem is, Sometimes rich people have a hard time being rich. And again, in the context of rich, speaking of you and me, sometimes we have a hard time being rich. And, and this church is amazing. You're, the generosity in this church, the stewardship in this church is absolutely incredible. But the average American seems to be the more that they make, the less they give. The income goes up, but giving goes down. And actually, studies show that the most generous people on the earth are not those with the most, they're actually the ones with the least. Percentage-wise, they're giving more percentage-wise those who don't even have that much. Could it be that the more we make, the more we begin to lean on our money? And the more we make, the more we begin to protect our money. And the more we make, the, the more we begin to look at our money as our source instead of God being our source. Could it be, ladies and gentlemen? No wonder Paul is writing to Timothy and telling pastors like, hey, you need to talk about... You're rich people, how to, how to be rich. Command them, he says. Command them some things. Well, what is he saying? Well, let's look at 1 Timothy 6, 17 in depth. He says, command those who are rich in this present world. In this present world, meaning where we are. While we're here on this earth, this earth is not our home. We're storing up treasures for heaven one day. But while you're here, command them to what? To do good. Not just to be selfish, do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. And the recession of 2008 proved that to all of us. Wealth is not something we, we, we find security in. We find security in Almighty God. But to put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Listen, the reason we do messages like this around the season like this is because we believe this is the best season to, to do this, to reach out to people, to be generous. We should be generous all year long. But the fact is there are more people that are open to the generosity that we give as we attach the name of Jesus to it than any other season in, in the year. We can do things over the next couple of months and tell people it's God loves you, it's Jesus, and they receive it more than they would in March. 
more than they would in August. But something about the Christmas season, people are open to receive a generous gift of some sort and then to hear the message of Jesus Christ. It's almost like they just kind of assume it's going to happen. I think we ought to take advantage of that. I think we ought to tell more people this Christmas season about the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. How about you? Now, here's the opposite side. So there's a prosperity gospel on this side, but there's another false teaching on this other side, and that's like God wants you broke, he wants you poor, he wants you suffering, and the more you suffer, the more he's happy. That's not the heart of a good father. Come on. As a matter of fact, Timothy just told us, he says, God richly blesses us, provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Like God, he has no problem with you possessing stuff. He just does not want that stuff to possess you. So live with an open hand. It's okay to be rich. It's okay to be wealthy. God gives us the power to get wealth, but it's to establish his covenant with us. That's the purpose Deuteronomy talks about. So don't feel, fat, feel badly about having stuff. Let's just have the right mindset about that. Like, God, it all belongs to you anyway, and I just want to be the biggest blessing I can to as many people as I can on the earth. Is this making sense, yes or no? So we're going to give you some opportunities to give. Not today, but to think about. No pressure. We never pressure. I never tell you what to give. I simply tell you, go pray and obey God. Super simple. I mean, we take about a minute on the offering. Anybody appreciate that? I grew up in church sometimes. I've been in churches that have spent about 30 minutes on the offering. Like, hey, we're going to take another one. There wasn't enough in that first one. You're going to lock the doors, ushers. Sir, sit down. No, sing that song one more time. <laughs> and they'll, they'll guilt you into giving, like, guys, we got to keep the lights on. Listen to me. We have never taken an offering for the lights. You know why? Because this church is so stinking generous. That's not even an issue. We live with such great margin, 90% of last year's income. It, that's how we budget for this year. And we've never even hit the 90%. The light, we've never taken an offering for the lights. The reason we're able to do more and give more and be a blessing is because of your generosity and because of the, the margin that we've created to be healthy financially. Come on. Can I hear a good, a strong Amen. We're blessed to be a blessing. So here's five ways, five initiatives that we're going to do. This is going to get fun. You're going to get excited about some of this stuff because we can give. The first one is a legacy offering, and that's going to happen December the 11th. You say, well, what is that? Well, we, want to, we don't want to just live for us and our, even just this church. We want to be a blessing around the world. And, and you just need to know this. 10% of what comes in, we give away. 10% of what comes in, if, we, if tithing works for the individual, I also believe it should work for the church. So we give more than 10% away to other churches and to other ministries and to help missionaries around the globe spread the gospel. But this is what it's going to look like, okay? On that day, we're going to come together and we're going to pray about what God would have us give. And we, we're going to be able to give most of this offering away. We're going to give it away to four different areas. One is our church, this church, about what God can do for some special projects that we'd like to do. We didn't complete everything when we first moved in. And uh, we're also thinking about launching another campus in another city. And so that's something that we're thinking, praying about. And God, which, which door would you open for us? Because we believe that there are still more people in the Bay Area that need to hear about the hope and healing of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> we're not satisfied and relaxed. We just got in the building. Let's put it in cruise control. I don't know what cruise control looks like. The only gear I know is, is let's drive. Amen. Who's with me? What, what's, what's the goal? World domination. That's what, that's what the goal is, ladies and gentlemen. 
as much as we can, we want to influence the planet. So that's an option. And then, and then we're going to give um, to, to local, issue, local things, like other ministries that don't benefit us at all. They're just other churches or other ministries in the area. And it's super fun because we've made no promise of what we're going to give to them. We've no, made no promise at all, but we're vetting some, and we're trying to find out which ones we want to give to. And we don't have an amount that we're giving yet because I don't know what you're going to give. But once that comes in, we just show up unannounced with a check, and we say, on behalf of your Fellowship Church family, we want to say Merry Christmas. And we give them a hefty check, and they just can't believe it, man, because they're doing some great good in, in the community. And we'll go to women's shelters and other places. We even went to an AIDS hospital in San Francisco, and uh, we gave them a hefty check and said, hey, listen, I know a, a lot of churches don't ever come here. We just want to let you know we love you. We're praying for you. God has a purpose for every life in here. And, and they, listen, they did not know what to say. They've never had a church come in and bless them like that. We got three thank you letters from different people in that organization. Just a way to say, God loves you guys. He really does love you. No strings attached. It messes with people, and I like it. <laughs> and then we're going to give to our, na- our nation. Our nation our nation needs some help. And Clinton can't help it, and Trump can't help it to the degree that we need it to. We need some life-giving churches to arise and to be the example and to be the light of the world that everybody can see. So how do we do this? We plant life-giving churches, and we just finished plant, planting 600 churches in the America with the Association of Related Churches. Yeah, yeah, come on, let's clap our hands. That's amazing. Anytime I'm running out of breath, that's just a place to clap your hands. Just clap your hands. I'm trying to fit it all in here. But it's amazing because we plant these churches, and, man, they're, they're so healthy. They're strong. They're vibrant, going into some major cities around the nation. We just planted 30 churches last month. 30 churches. And a couple of them that we're coaching, man, one guy, he launched with 700 people on his first Sunday. Another guy in LA, 300 people on his first Sunday. They're so overwhelmed. Well, we believe that the local church is the hope of the world. So we're planting churches all over where we can, and that's a great way. And by the way, we're going to help some of these pastors. We're going to bless their families for Christmas through this offering. My wife and I planted this church 14 years ago with 22 people. We just dumped our life savings in there. We didn't take a dime from the church as a salary for the first eight months. How many know that first Christmas was tight? It was like, girls, we love you. You know, was, you're young. You won't remember this Christmas anyway. <laughs> We're going to bless some of these pastors who just started church this year and say, you cannot use this towards your church. You've got to spend it on your kids. Just some fun stuff like that. Because <laughs> they're planning a church and they need a little extra help. So this legacy offering is going to be fun. And then we, plan, we, we do some stuff internationally. We're doing, going on a great missions trip in Nicaragua in 2017. And if you want to go, there's still room. You can come Saturday morning at 10 a.m. There'll be a meeting right here to talk about that trip. But you need to start saving and go on that trip because we want to change a nation. We've been invited by the president of Nicaragua. Are you understanding the significance of this moment? This is a crucial open door, and we want to go there and be such a blessing. So, so I believe that that's a great way. So my wife and I, we're going to sit down with our girls and say, what should we do? Like, how, how should we give? What should we give? Because we want to make the biggest pl- difference we can on the planet. And when you give, you're not just giving to a church, you're giving through a church. When you give here, your, your dollar is so well spent. I mean, we, we blessed 
other churches we bless, other places around locally, internationally, nationally. And it's just amazing what God can do. So that's the legacy offering December the 11th. Okay, write this second one down. This is another way that you can help out. And this is random acts of kindness. Random acts of kindness. When you leave today, you're going to get these cards. The ushers will have these on your way out. You could just grab a handful. It says a simple way to love you, or a simple way to say God loves you, no strings attached. On the back, it has our information for the church if they'd like to come. And, and when you give to the legacy offering, you're giving to the church through the church. When you do this, you do this by yourself. And here's how you do it. You just go around the city and you look for ways to bless people, surprise people, just like out of the bushes. Boom. Hey, bless you. Just any way you can think about it. But you don't just give a card. You do some type of random act of kindness, like you pay for their coffee in the drive-thru and say, hey, could you give them this card? So it's not just a coffee. They say, God loves you, no strings attached. You can go and get a big box of Krispy Kreme donuts tomorrow at work and put these cards on the side when people are like, who brought the donuts in? God loves you, no strings attached. You go out today to a nice restaurant, leave a fat tip, I mean a big tip, and leave a card that says this is a simple way to say God loves you, no strings attached. Now, if you're not going to leave a big tip, do not leave this card. Are you with me? Because the waiter is going to be looking at this like, a simple way to say God loves you. You're right. This is simple. You know, we need it to be extravagant. We need it to be fun. It didn't have to be a million dollars, but, you know, just more than you normally would to bless somebody, to get their attention, to remind them, God loves you. Listen, you might be the answer to the prayer that people have been praying. We've had several people email us over the years and write letters and say, I was driving down the street praying, God, if you're real, show me a sign. And somebody rolled up and gave me a bottle of ice water and one of these cards changed my entire day. I mean, there's just easy ways to bless people if you're you're looking. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And then we have this, write this down, giving hope. Giving hope is twofold. There's one in your notes and one I'll tell you about because it's so new and I'm so excited I can barely contain myself. The first one is the serve week. And that is the week before Thanksgiving, all the small groups in our church, they launch out and they spearhead different ways to serve the community. And they just come up with them. We don't have to assign them all. They just come up with some great ways to go love the city and tell them God loves you, no strings attached. And um, then that, that Saturday, we're going to get together here and we're going to feed a few hundred families. And we got turkey, we'll get turkeys and mashed potatoes and stuffing and the bread you can't have. Thanksgiving without bread, and then all the good stuff. And we go to some pre-selected neighborhoods, some apartment complexes in the region, and we go and knock on the door and say, your fellowship church family just wants to bless you with a Thanksgiving meal. And then they just, I mean, they're crying. They're on the phone. We've had them be on the phone with their mom saying, Mom, I just told you we weren't going to be able to have Thanksgiving dinner. And this church showed up crying with kids. And it's, it's moving, man. It's just moving. And people's hearts are opened when you meet a need first. We rolled into this one apartment complex, and this gangbanger, he opens the door with like a 40 in one hand and a joint in another. <laughs> he opens up to me, he's mean mugging, he's just looking at us like, like, what do you want? And our team just said, we want to bless you with a Thanksgiving dinner. We're from church. His whole face changed. It was like, hey, come on. I mean, just, he let us pray with him. It was amazing. We go to another place and, and, uh, in Pittsburgh. And uh, some guys are sitting outside, you know, like they must be the OGs of the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? 
we roll up, and we didn't probably think this through because we all, our serve team shirts are all red. So they're all red serve team shirts that just say, serve team. So you, until you read the message, you don't know who we are. So we roll deep, too. I mean, there's a, there's a few hundred people that show up to these apartment complexes, and we just take over the imp- entire apartment complex. We roll up, and they're like, what, what is this? We say, we're from Fellowship Church. We just want to bless you. this neighborhood with Thanksgiving dinners. Everything changed. I mean, they open, up their, they open up their entire lives to us. They start talking to us. <laughs> One guy who you could tell is like the leader of the whole crew, he asked, can we pray? Let's pray. Guys, we're going to pray. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. We're going to pray. <laughs> like, yeah, we are. <laughs> and when we were done, this is what he said. This is what he said. He said, can we have a church? Can you have a card? Where, where's your church? He gave him a card. He says, because, because you came to our house, we're coming to yours. I'm just telling you, this is the season, ladies and gentlemen. There's so much opportunity to bless people. And that's going to be November 13th through the 19th. And then, this is not in your notes, but it's got a lot of fun. I'm excited about this. It's, it's called Giving Hope. We're going to give you some packets in a few weeks. With, with You can adopt a child's age, you know, a gender and an age. And then you go buy three presents for them. And then we have some families that we're going to bring into this church, and we're going to have them shop here. We're going to create a store while the kids are over in the kids' area. And then we're going to tell them about Jesus, bring them in here, and have some prayer team here to love on them, point them to Christ. And then there's a wrapping area where their presents are being wrapped. And then they leave with the presents, and we're going to tell them God loves you, no strings attached. Is anybody as excited as I am about Christmas? Now, the next one on your notes, the next one has nothing to do with money. And that's because the greatest need is not financial. The greatest need is spiritual. And that is, write this down, our help series. Help series. You say, well, what is that? Every sermon series that we do has a name. Like this one's called Funny Money. The next one's called Help. And every week I'm going to be talking about a different area where we can help people. Now, listen to me. Everybody look at me. This is the season you need to bring your friends to this series. Because every Sunday, I'm going to be helping in different areas. I'm going to preach a message entitled, Help, I'm Overwhelmed. Help, I'm Stressed One Week. Help, I'm Single. Or Help, I'm Married and Want to Be Single. You know, (laughs) there's going to be a lot of help, all right? (laughs) Some of y'all laughing a little too hard. A little too hard. Look at me, everybody. There are more suicides from Thanksgiving to Christmas than the previous 11 months combined. This is a rough season. It's the most wonderful season, but it's also a difficult season for a lot of people. So we want to help people. You need to bring your friends here. You need to see them give their life to Christ during this season. You need to tell them, man, you've got to get here. Whatever I can do to get you here, bring them. It starts November the 13th through the December 4th. And, um, and we're, we're going we're gonna to be the best representation of Jesus to them in that time. I believe that this is going to be monumental. And it's not that they don't have pain the other months. It's just that they're more aware of their pain during this season. So help them come to Christ. There's a big word called social justice. That's a buzzword right now. Everybody into social justice. And that's great. It's running to, to those who are hurting. You should continue to do that. But can I just tell you, social justice without spiritual justice is not justice. It looks like love, but it's leaving the greatest component out, and that is the gift of eternal life. And as we give to people, as we feed people who are hungry and the needy, yes, we want to continue to do that. But don't just do that. 
We need to come back and say, we're going to do that. We're going to feed people, but in Jesus' name. We're going to clothe people, but in Jesus' name. Because forgive us, Lord, if we just are generous and nice to people, which is good. But if we don't tell them about the greatest message on planet Earth, which is the message that Jesus Christ came to rescue and save, we, we lose. If we don't get them into heaven, we lose. So spiritual justice and social justice ought to go hand in hand, not just one or the other. Matter of fact, the Bible says, even if you give a cup of cold water in my name, Jesus says, I'll remember it. Okay, listen to me. There are a lot of churches who give the name of Jesus with no cup of, of water. It's just preach, 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 and turn or burn. Or, it's, it's harsh on the corner and, or, or, or telling people, and they're not meeting a need. Then there are other people who just give the cup of cold water but don't attach Jesus' name to it. They're just meeting a need. He said to do both. We've got to learn this principle, to meet a need which opens up the door for us to talk to them about their spirit and about Jesus. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. It's amazing what can take place. So number five, here's the last one. Number five is our Christmas experiences. Our Christmas experiences. You say, well, what's that? All of the service times from December 21st through December 24th. We're going to have six worship experiences that you can invite your friends to. And listen, we get to have, you ready for this? Our very first candlelight Christmas Eve services. We've never had a candlelight service because before this building, we rented other buildings and they wouldn't let me play with fire. Now we got our old building and we're going to light it up. Come on, somebody. But that's going to be special. And we have six services, and you can, you can register on eventbrite.com. Not yet, but we'll open up those, and we'll release those tickets uh, December 7th. You say, well, why, why do we have to have tickets? Because we don't want everybody coming to one service and there not be room. So this is going to help us balance out the attendance, and, and, um, and they're all free tickets, but this helps us manage who comes to which service. Now listen to me. There are a couple times a year where you, you ought to have somebody lost sitting next to you. You hearing me? That's Easter and Christmas. And I don't mean like you just show up and like, hey, you lost? No, I mean like you bring them. <laughs> like your friends and family members, you want them to hear about Jesus? They will probably say yes if you invite them to an Easter or a Christmas service. And when you, sit, when you sit there and I give you permission, when I give the altar call, when I give the salvation call, I give you permission to peek through your eyes and to see if their hand raised. And when their hand goes up, you're going to lose it. You're going to say that's, that was your favorite service. Not because of the message or the worship, but because your friend's life was, was changed in that moment. That's when you'll find out what this church is all about, by the way. Not by just you coming to church and hearing a message occasionally and, and worshiping and serving sometimes. It's when you bring a hurting person and God restores their life that you say, oh, now I know what this church is all about. The hope and healing message is not just a cute slogan. God can really do that in my friend's life. So you need to, you need to have somebody there. And, and some people say, well, why are you doing this? Like, aren't we big enough? The question is not, are we big enough? The question is, who's missing? Who's not here yet? Selfishly, I'd like to take that week off. Selfishly, I'd, I'd like to not preach six times during that week. I'd like to just spend it with my family. But we know, our staff knows, our dream team knows, there are more people that come to Christ during this one week 
than most other seasons and other weeks in the entire year. So we are willing to let our preferences go to the side and say, God, let's fulfill the whole reason on which you placed us here on planet Earth, and that is to bring hope and healing to our area. Amen, everybody. So the Christmas experiences is going to be amazing. Five things It's coming up. I told you it's going to be exciting. See, there's a lot of opportunity. But if you grew up in church and you heard stuff about giving, it was just do more, do more, do more. And we've always wanted to help people, get them out of debt, get them spiritually free and also financially free and a plan and a budget. But then you got to understand that there is, there is something to be said about, about giving to the work of, of seeing people saved. 2 Corinthians 9 says this, on the other side of your notes. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Contrast the words sparingly and generously. If you plant one seed, you're going to get a little bit. If you scatter seed, you're going to get a lot of return. Does that make sense? And then he says, each of you, that's all of us, should give, we should give, this is healthy, this is good, what you have decided in your heart to give. Underline the word decided. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You ought to decide what we're going to do, generously speaking, figuratively speaking, when it comes to finances. We need to, we need to decide what are we going to give in advance. Now, I think there are some moments where giving spontaneously is good, it's healthy, but your, your constant diet of that would not be healthy. Like to just roll in and every, way, every Sunday be like, ooh, what am I supposed to give? I didn't think about it. There ought to be a moment where you decide, like you just know. Your, your constant giving should not be characterized by the spontaneous compulsion. And, and, but we don't want to give reluctantly either. We don't want to be a Scrooge, but we want to give with the right attitude. And so we have what's called at our church, there's ways you can do this through the five opportunities, but we also have a legacy team. You say, well, what's that? A legacy team is those in our church who you feel, you feel, and you self-identify that you have the gift of giving. If you feel, I think I have the gift of giving. And you don't have to be rich to do this, but you, you can say, I have the gift of giving. I feel like this is part of my calling. You can let us know, and we have a team. What this team does is we'll meet with you, and we get to share a vision about where, where the church is going and what, what we're going to do. And we just say, if you, want, if you feel led to do some of that, you can do that. It's amazing. Listen, vision expands at the speed of your generosity. We all want to do more and reach more people with the love of God. Well, we can do that. The reason we're here in this building, we got here because of the speed of your generosity. So there are other things that we want to do. There's a lot that we want to do. I got a lot of vision. And there's no pressure if people don't feel like, no, I don't feel like I'm supposed to do any of that. But if they feel like they want to, they can help us do these things that we're going to do anyway faster. We can get there faster. So let us know on the connection card. If that's you, just say, legacy team, call me. I mean, I, I want in. I want to hear more information about that. But my job really is not to pressure anybody to give. My, my job is to take you on a journey and to just tell you about the opportunities. And, and God doesn't want you, again, to give out of compulsion or, 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 or drudgery or, or because of guilt. He doesn't want that. He wants you to decide in your heart. Why? Because he wants your heart. So with that being said, let me just give you, how many would like a very quick sermon on a giving filter, all right? Okay, all of you didn't raise your hand too bad. I got the microphone. I'm teasing. Okay, here's, 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 how, here's how to decipher what to give to. Here's a giving filter. Number one is the relationship question. Three points, and then we're done. The relationship question, and that is this. Who, who am I going to commit to relationally? Who will I commit to relationally? Am I committed to them relationally? Am I in relationship? 
or am I prepared to get in relationship with these people? God is a relational God. This church is a relational church. If you come on Sundays, you're going to get a little bit about what we do and you're going to feel it a little bit, but the best part of our church is our dream team. That's all the people who serve. And if you get in a small group and begin to build relationships with people, I'm telling you, that changes people's lives. There's two things that we do out of the four things we do that are one time and two that are forever. Number one and two, we give our life to Christ one time and we go through the growth track one time. Dream team and small groups are forever because we do life together. We build relationship with people. God is a relational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we are here to, to advance the kingdom of God relationally. And as we commit to the church, I'm committed to this church. I want you to commit to the church. But my wife and I have also committed some things to the Lord. Like, God, we're going to give the first 10% to you. We're going to return the tithe to you. It's yours, to the church, the first 10% of what we make. Because it's yours. God says that. And then, God, we're going to live on a 10-10-80 rule. We're going to give our first tithe to the Lord, the first 10%. Then we're going to pay ourselves 10%. Put that in a savings account. And then we're going to live on 80%. It's a smart play. And then we say, God, we don't want to get in debt. We don't want to get in debt other than our house. We don't want to get in debt. And then we say... God, we want to be generous on every occasion. Anytime you speak to us and say, give, we want to say, yes, Lord. We don't ever want to make an excuse. We don't ever want to make an, you know, say we can't because we're strapped financially or, you know, the debt is up the wazoo. We, we want to be able to say, yes, Lord, in that moment. Now, kicking the tires of a church is cool. Some of you are new, kind of seeing how the church is, if this is your tribe or not. Others of you, you know it, and you can go through the growth track and really officially become a part. But at some point, you need to become a part of a church. You need to join a church. Here's why. Psalm 92 verse 13 says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Okay, look at me, everybody. There is no flourishing without being planted. Flourishing comes from your roots growing deep in the house of the Lord and being planted. That's the, that's the relationship question. Number two, number two is... This is a big one. That is the difference question. The difference question. In other words, what difference will it make for eternity? Will what I'm giving make an eternal difference? And I want to teach you on this for just a second. I want to train you because, listen, all charity is not the same. All giving is not the same. We're not just called to be generous. We're called to make an eternal difference. So when we come together and we say, well, what should I do? Is it okay to be nice? Yes, keep being nice. Keep working out with social justice issues. But I'm just telling you, if we work out social justice issues, but we, it's not making a difference for eternity, like your giving ought to be strategic for getting people into heaven. That ought to be our focus. And when we give towards the things, some things will last after eternity and other things just won't. Let me show you this in the Word. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, if anyone builds his this foundation using gold, silver, and costly stones. Okay, this, these are things that are strong. And then he also adds, or wood, hay, or straw, which that's really weak. Their work will be shown for what it is. When? Because the day, ever say the day? That's judgment day. That's when Jesus comes and consummates history. The day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. This is not talking about salvation. This is a talking about how we have invested our lives. And honestly, when I was a, uh, um, a youth pastor and a kids pastor, and I took my ring off and I put it in a, in a, in a pot in a paper bag. 
was teaching a bunch of kids about this, and I said, guys, this passage, you know, this is what is going to last. Only what we do for Christ lasts. And I burnt the plastic, I mean, the, the paper bag. Plastic could be toxic. Uh, the paper bag. And all the kids were like, whoa. And then I pulled my ring out, and I said, guys, the bag is gone, but the ring's still here. This is what we do for Christ. I mean, the little kids got it. And the same thing I would say to all of us. There are certain things that we do, certain things we give to, that at, in eternity, it won't matter at all. Like it didn't make an eternal difference. There's a lot of what you do that make an eternal difference. And when you get to heaven, there's going to be rewards from Almighty God saying, well done, you invested in the right place, you changed people's lives. That makes sense? So you got to, that's a giving filter. Is this going to make an eternal difference? And then number three, write this down, is the God question. The God question is this, is God speaking to me? Is, is he saying anything to me? This is where life gets really fun because when you start to know that God's talking to you and you know your assignment, wherever you go, you can walk into a restaurant and say, God, I'm, I'm about to walk into this restaurant today. Is there anybody you want me to bless? Is there anybody you want me to encourage while I'm here? Because I'm available. Just stay in that place where God can speak. And then understand that you're God's hand extended. My wife and I have been to a lot of restaurants. <laughs> we, we like to eat. And there have been times where we feel God say, bless that waitress, bless that waiter. And so we'll, we'll go and we'll get like a $10 salad. Who are we kidding? It's a $10 burger. <laughs> and we'll leave like a $50 tip. The card, God loves you, no strings attached. And they're overwhelmed. You just don't know. I've had, I've had waitresses cry on me. You just, I had the worst day today. I, it, was, it was so bad. And these people did this. And, my, and then my home life is this. And we get a chance to just say, hey, listen, it's going to be okay. God loves you. He knows where you are. At, when you leave that place, that's fun. It's fun to be able to bless people and to think out of 7 billion people on the planet, God, you chose us to bless that person. Thank you so much for using us. You can do the same. There's so many ways that you can be a blessing. God blesses you to be a blessing. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, last verse. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Verse 36, watch this. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Okay, look at me. I'm just praying that this week you will begin to see people the way Jesus sees them. People on your job, people in your family, the idiots on the freeway. Come on, that's God's idiot. Jesus died for that idiot. Some of us are those idiots. But could you see people in a different way? Could you see people, instead of a problem to avoid, somebody to be loved? I w the problem is we don't like to see people. We overlook people. We just go by people. I promise you, if you open up your heart to see people, you will be so moved with compassion. And to say, God, how can I be a blessing, an eternal blessing to this individual that you love and die for? See him. Let God move your heart. 
And then lastly, ask this question. Write this down. Lord, what would you have me do? What would you have me do? For the legacy offering, what would you have me do? This week on my job, what would you have me do? This week in my community, what would you have me do? This week at our church, what would you have me do? I wonder if we just lived in a constant state of that question. How much more God would use us? Because he's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. He wants to reach the world, and he's going to use you to do it. Amen, everybody. Come on, if you believe that, can we just clap our hands and say a good amen?